So uh, we heard back recently from a couple that had been visiting some churches and, and they ended up visiting our church recently and I guess the next Sunday morning their, their little daughter woke up and she went running into her parents and she said, Mom, Dad, can we go to the Loud Church again today? So that's us. We are the Loud Church. And I'll tell you, we're incredibly blessed with our worship team and our production team and, and all that we have here to kind of make worship this engaging, exciting, awesome experience. And while we were really super blessed with all that, I really want to take today to talk about our hearts in the process of worshiping. That's kind of what we, why we did what we did. We just opened up with one song because we want to just change things a little bit today to give you an opportunity later on to respond to God and our hopes as a way of responding to our message here today. And so I really want to just you know, kind of refresh our hearts for worship. I want us to kind of get excited and passionate about worship again. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I hope today you'll really hear why we do what we do. If you are a follower of Jesus, I hope you'll be reminded and maybe learn some new things today about why we do what we do. And so we're going to talk about what worship is and why we do it and why we do it here together and what happens when we do that here together. But I just want to say, you know, kind of up front, that worship is not something God is trying to coerce out of us. You know, like he's not, you know, thinking to himself, let me, you know, bend their arms behind their back and, and maybe see if I can get them to tell me how great I am. And I mean, Pastor Bravone referenced this a few weeks ago that, uh, you know, God's not insecure. He's not needy. He's not up in heaven, like wishing, like, oh, Doug's got it. Doug hasn't told me today how great I am. Am I great still? Like, he's not worried about that, okay? And so, what exactly is worship? Well, worship is really a response. It's a response to something or someone that is great, okay? And so, here today, we've changed our service up a little bit so that we can talk about this. And, and rather than do all of our worship kind of on the front end of things, we wanted to save some of it for the end so that we can really say, okay, we don't want to just hear this, but we want to live this out. And so, you know, nothing like being challenged on something and then going for it pretty much immediately. And so that's what we're going to do here today. Um, so worship is this great response. And I just want to let you know something. You and I are great at worship. Like we are worshipers. It's not always of God, but we're really, really good at praising things that we enjoy. You know, like if you think about anything in your life that you enjoy, you praise it. I'm not necessarily saying you get down on your hands and knees and you start to bow to it, but you say great things about different things that you enjoy, right? If you're watching a great sporting event and your team scores, you, you usually jump up and down. You're like, I mean, you get excited, you high five somebody, you're, you're excited about what just happened. You're responding to something great, right? If you eat a great meal, okay, what do you do as you're leaving? Man, that was just amazing. That place was great. Then you start to tell other people, right, about how great your meal was at this place that you ate. Um, When you see a great movie, sometimes, right, I love that. Isn't that great when you see a great movie and the whole theater at the end applauds? I love that. I just feel like that's like old school, but it's like a good old school. We got to get that going again. Maybe there's just not many great movies, so we don't clap that much, but but I love when that happens, you know? Um, And then on your way out, you're talking, right? I mean, Kelly and I will be talking, wow, I love this part. I love that part. How cool was this? Um, Some of you guys that are into art when you look at a great piece of art man you just wow you just what else can I say but that is talent that is amazing and so you and I respond very naturally to what we think is great in all these different areas of our lives and you maybe didn't even know it about yourself but you are a great worshiper you're really great at praising things sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it on Christmas Eve 
uh, my kids decided, hey, we want to sleep on the floor in your room, mom and dad, and so we can all wake up Christmas morning, and it'll be this whole exciting adventure, you know, and so I'm thinking, I'm not getting much sleep tonight, but, but uh, we said, all right, and so we kind of laid out this huge, you know, fortress for them to lay out on, and so they're all sleeping on our floor, and at about 5.30 Christmas morning, Landon, who was six years old, sound asleep. He goes like this in his sleep. I like muffins. And I, it was one of the freakiest moments of my life, if I'm just being honest. You know, it was so creepy, like out of the dead silence to hear that, you know. And so Landon is doing this even in his sleep. He's doing what you and I are so great at, what we don't even realize we so often do. And so we are great at responding to what we love and what we enjoy with praise or with some type of worship. So you and I are gifted that way. But what's funny is what we struggle to do in these walls is what we do so great outside these walls. You know, like sometimes we're really, it just comes so naturally for us to worship and praise different things we enjoy. But we get in here sometimes and, you know, we get a little jammed up. Maybe we feel a little funny about the people around us. Um, and so I really want us to think about our own hearts here today. Because here's what I think is probably true of us. The way that we worship is an indicator of our relationship with God. You know, the way we worship. And so, like, if we are worshiping kind of half-hearted and cold, there's a possibility that's like a snapshot of our relationship with God. I think the way we worship when we're together, the way we sing songs to God or we get excited about God when we're together, it's kind of an indicator of how impressed we are with God. You know? And let me just tell you this. If you're not impressed with God, it's not that he's in, he became unimpressive. It's just that I don't think we're seeing him clearly anymore or, or maybe recently in our lives. Because this is what I can tell you. Every time we see God for who he is, worship is the response. Every time you and I see God for who he is, worship is the response. It's not just my experience. It's what we see all throughout the Bible. When people see God, they worship. They're amazed. And again, it's not this thing where God's insecure and needy. It's just he is that great. And so people respond when they see this amazing God. I think one of the things that gets in the way of us worshiping God is we get really hung up on the few things that God hasn't done in our life that we think he should have. And then that becomes all we can see, you know? Maybe one of the reasons in our hearts, are, maybe they're a little cold, maybe our relationship with God's a little half-hearted is because we're so focused on those few things we ask God to do, and maybe he said no, or maybe he said wait, or maybe it just seems like he's silent. And then we kind of bring that into our worship experience, or we just carry that through our day, and it's like, man, all I can think about is the fact that God hasn't healed so-and-so yet or hasn't provided you know, this or that yet or hasn't changed somebody's heart yet. And, and so we get our time with God or we get to this time together and it's just, ugh, yeah, yeah, God, I guess you're great, but what about that? And I'm telling you, if we could just zoom back in on all the things he has done in our lives, I think our worship would be revived again. I think we would get excited Again, And so today we're really fighting to get our heart for worship back again. I mean, not that I think we do a bad job of it week in, week out, but I just know my own heart, I know all of us, we just need encouragement. We just need to be reminded what worship is all about and why we do it and what happens when we do it. And so that's what we're going to be doing here today. Um, 
If you're not a follower of Jesus, as always, we're so glad you're here and you're welcome. And, and you may be wondering why we do what we do and, you know, how come they sing these songs and who are they singing to and how come some of them raise their hands up and, like, what is all this about? Well, you came on the perfect day then because we're going to talk about that and really why it's so important that we sing these songs of God together. Um, we're going to look today at a psalm, Psalm 95, and it's most likely a psalm that David wrote. Um, a lot of times when David wrote a psalm, he'd write his name to it. Um, this one doesn't have that, but as best we can tell, this is one of David's psalms. And here in this psalm, we can really learn a lot, and we can talk about a lot, both what he experienced and then how it works out for us practically here in 2015, all right? So we're going to look at Psalm 95, and this is what he starts out saying, verse 1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. And so I love that it says, come let us sing with joy. It doesn't say, come let us sing out of coercion, right? Come let us sing because we're pressured. Come let us sing because it's right. Come let us sing because we should. No, let's sing for joy. We're excited about God. And and I love that the word us is in here. In fact, all throughout the verses we're going to read together, that word us is in there. And so that's really important because that shows us that when we come together, this is about us singing praise to God. Now you can sing praise to God anywhere you want. But when we come together, there's some powerful things that happen when you and I look to God kind of in this corporate worship idea. Um, Why? Well, what happens? Well, God's presence moves in a unique way when we get together, you know? Um, We've seen over the years that God physically has healed some people as we've just been together worshiping God. No one even prayed a prayer. No one even asked God to do anything. He Just his presence in the room did something. I would guess most of us, if we're followers of Jesus, can remember times in our lives where we walked into church and we were just brokenhearted, we were down, we were completely just beat up about something, and then that time in worship, we walked out a different person, right? Just the presence of God just did something so strong in our lives, in our spirit, in our heart, in that time. I know there was a time for me, our, our staff went away on a retreat a couple of years ago, and we were at this church down in Georgia, and it was a time when Kelly's health, my wife has been going through a lot of health issues, and it was a time when that was really dark, just very, very, very difficult. And so we're there in this worship service, and this was like a really cutting edge, awesome church, and they went like old school with one of these hymns that I sung as like a kid, and they just blew it through the roof. And I was just there, like, I was just literally in my seat just weeping. I was just weeping because I just, in that moment, the presence of God and just the reminder that he's in control and that everything's going to be okay, and it just did something so powerful in my life and you know I got pastor and Andrew and Joey next to me and I'm like oh man I poked my eye you know I'm like sitting there but I'm weeping right because God has just done something so powerful in my life and so some of you guys have experienced that I would guess if you're a follower of Jesus then you have experienced that and so another another reason worship can be so powerful and important is because I think we encourage each other when we worship together. It's kind of like we're reaffirming to one another just that, yeah, God is good, and and this is our experience. He's amazing, and he's done great things. And and sometimes when you see someone else worship, it inspires you to worship, right? I remember Kelly and I were away on vacation once, and we we visited another church, and we were there, and then the church was doing their thing, a super different style than our church, but that's okay. We were just, you know, going for God. And I remember behind us, was this guy just singing his heart out. I mean, absolutely singing his heart out. Like I turned around at the end of the worship and the, you know, the guy said, hey, greet somebody. And I turned around and this guy was just sweating. It looked like he just played basketball, like just like sweating. And, I, I, and you know what? It was cool though because it wasn't one of those people that was distracting. Like he wasn't out for attention. You could just tell this guy loved 
Jesus, and he was singing his heart out. And every once in a while, I'm just reminded of his passion, and it encourages me. Another thing, I just think God is just honored when we come together and we just sing about how much we love him. I mean, I mean, how would you feel like if your kids gathered around you, right? And just, I mean, when is this ever going to happen, right? But, you know, mom, dad, you're just so great. You're so wise. You're so loving. You provide all our needs. Like, yeah, I'm waiting on that one. Hold my breath, right? But, man, I just think that God is just honored. Again, not because he needs it, not because he needs the ego boost, but he's just honored as we come together. And so here's David saying, hey, let's sing for joy. Singing is important. Together is important. And, and those are some of, the, some of the reasons why. There's more, but those are a few. Then he says this, let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. So here's the word us again. So us is in there. So we should do this. He says, let's shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. And so he's saying, all right, there's really two things we're going to be praising God for. Tom Constable says this, the phrase rock of our salvation combines the idea of security and deliverance. And so David is saying, hey, let's not just sing to God because we should. Let's sing to God because he has become our rock and our salvation. He's our security. So we can run to him in the midst of hardship and trouble. And he's the one who has delivered us from our sin and all the things that we've done that are wrong in our lives. And so here's, here's David just like excited. He's not just saying, hey, just do it. He's saying, no, God's a rock who can be depended on. And he's the one who's delivered us from our sin and brokenness. And he goes on. He says, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So here is us again, right? We have us again. So we see how important we is. We see how important us coming together and singing to God is. But I love that he says, okay, let's come together with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. The reason I think that's all so important is because I think sometimes we tend to think that only the style of music that we like is really music, or is really worship, rather. You know what I mean? I remember years ago, um, talking with some of the youth group kids, and they were talking about being in some kind of a different environment, and how, oh, I just can't worship God there. I was like, dude, if you, if, you're, if you can't worship God, then you have to realize something. You're not worshiping God, you're worshiping a style of music, right? And so... You know, here David qualifies what worship is. He says, okay, if thanksgiving is going on and extolling of God is going on and we got some music and singing, then we have ourselves a worship service, you know? Like we're going for God here and that's what qualifies worship. And I think that's what we gotta be careful. I mean, really, any style of worship is just merely a preference when it comes down to it. It really truly is. You know, I think we all kind of get hung up on I like this or I like that. And that's okay. I think we're allowed to enjoy worship and, and to do it to a style of music we like. But I just know for me, over the years, growing up as like a church kid, I just saw so many people tripping over style. Um, my, ki- my parents' generation, their fight was to, to help people understand that drums were not from Satan. Okay, I don't know if any of you guys were in church right around that, but like every time you hit a drum, like a demon came out, I guess, or something, I don't know. But that's what people thought, and that was my parents' fight. And they helped people go, no, 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 it's, a, it's an instrument. Like, I mean, it's just a musical instrument. It's not spiritual or aspiritual. It's an instrument, right? It's not alive, okay? It doesn't have a spirit, all right? And kind of my generation's fight has kind of been the rock and roll thing, I think, and kind of the stage design and all this. But you know what, guys? This is just simply preference. If Jesus is being worshipped and thanked and extolled then, and music and singing is happening, then we're worshipping him. Okay? And, and obviously there are times we can be in environments where that's not happening, but our heart is always to extol and to thank God through music and singing. Uh, the story is told about a guy who was just ripping modern worship apart. 
He was going, oh man, it's shallow, the lyrics are, are weak, there's no doctrine in it, it's, it's ungodly. And you might think, yeah, I kind of, you know, maybe I agree with him, I see where he's coming from. Well, the interesting thing about this guy is that he does not live here and now. He lived in the 1800s, and the modern worship he was ripping apart were hymns. And so we got to be really careful to not trip over style and preference. And at the end of the day, we got to say, okay, I'm here to thank and extol God through music and song. And that's what David is saying here. And so why do we worship God? Verse 3, for the Lord is the great God. It's like we've been saying through this whole message, it's all about responding to a great God. Just like you respond to all the other things in life that you enjoy, all the other great things in your life. Here we are again responding to the greatness of God, right? Um, Just think for a second, right? I'm a Mets fan, but Derek Jeter, amazing ball player. And everywhere he went in this last year of his career, he got a standing ovation pretty much at every stadium. Even the teams that hate the Yankees were just standing up when his name was called, when he got up to bat. Why? Because he's great. And a natural response to him was to applaud him and to praise him for his excellence, okay? And you know what didn't happen? Before the game, a guy didn't go out into center or on the pitcher's mound and grab a mic and say, guys, Derek Jeter, Derek, I can't say the name, Derek Jeter is over there in the dugout. I just want to let you know when he comes out, we're all going to stand up. We're going to applaud, okay? And I want you to clap real loud. No, no, that didn't happen. It's just the greatness of this player inspired worship and people responded. And that's what David's saying here. Okay, we're not gonna praise God because I'm trying to twist your arm and make you do it. No, God is great. Let's respond to him just like we tend to respond to everything great in our life with worship and excitement and passion. And then he, he kind of sets God apart. He says, all right, God, he's great, but, but let's, let's take it even further. He's the great king above all gods. All right, and there's a couple of things we got to see here in this verse. Do you notice that the word king is capitalized and the word gods is lowercase? Right? So what David's saying here is, all right, there's really only one God. And, and all these other gods that people have made in David's day, they'd make them out of wood and stone. And people would bow down to them. And in our day, I think gods are things like sports and music and entertainment. And, and, and those are all great things we should enjoy. But you know what? Sometimes we make them ultimate and they take a place in our heart that only God should have. And what David's just reminding us is, hey, God's greater than all those little G gods. All those things you and I try to make God, God's greater. And so why does that matter? That matters because our response to God then should be so much greater than our response to all the little G gods in our life. All the things that we tend to get distracted with and try to make ultimate, man, God is so much greater than all that. And David just reminding the people that are going to sing this song, just so you know, a psalm is a song. So here in this song, David is saying, hey, let's just remember that there's one God and he's above all and he's greater than all those little G gods that we make with our hands. And so our response to him should be so great. And then in verse four, he says this, in his hands are the depths of the earth, And the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. So David just kind of reminds himself and everybody singing this song that God is this amazing creator. And I know what's true about every single one of us is when we see the creations that David just talked about, we respond in praise, don't we? Right? I mean, how many of you guys have ever been to the Grand Canyon? Right? Actually, haven't. I was just wondering how many of you guys have. Um, no, but I've seen pictures, and I can tell you this. 
I would guess if you are standing on the edge of the Grand Canyon, you're inspired to praise. And the interesting thing is, is, you know, David's reminding us, we don't just praise the Grand Canyon, right? We praise the God who created the depths of that canyon. How many of you guys have been to my hill? You guys been to my hill, Bald Hill out in uh, Exit 63? That's a, a great mountain, yeah, right? Uh, have you been to the Rockies? I've been to the Rockies. I actually have been there. And I will tell you, it is just amazing. It is absolutely breathtaking. And here is the God who holds the depths of the earth and the mountain in his hands. How many of you guys ever been out on the sea and all you can see is the sea? I actually love that. I love that. I've been out a few times where I'm so far out where all I can see is water. My wife's like clinging to me on the side, like crying. I hate this, but I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I'm alive. I'm the king of the world, right? And I'm out there and there's the sea and all I can see and it just goes on and on, right? And here's this great God who created all that, holds all that in his hands. And David's just inspiring us. This is the great God. This is why we get excited. This is why we should respond to him greater than all the little G gods. This is what worship's about. And he says in verse six, come let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So he's not just the maker and creator of all that. He's the creator and maker of you and I, all of our intricacies, all the little things about us. Did you know the surface area of a human lung is the size of a tennis court? That's just in you today. Do you know that we, we, we can, our nose can remember about 50,000 different scents? Do you know that every day the average person loses about 60 to 100 strands of hair? I guess I'm above average. <laughs> I think I lost 60 to 100 a second. I think that was my problem. But do you know you use 200 muscles to take a step? No wonder you're sore, right? You're like, I, I just walked and I'm sore, right? What's going on? But I mean, these are the intricacies of what God has created inside you and I. And so we get, it's so cool. You go from like vastness and hugeness of mountain ranges to these tiny little intricacies of you and I. And then he says in verse 7, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. And so you have this really awesome thing happen. I think David's painting this cool picture. You have the God who creates the vastness and the hugeness of mountain ranges and grand canyons and seas. And then he creates the intricacies of you and I. And then he's pictured as this shepherd. This loving shepherd who you and I are a part of his flock. The one who lifts us up on his shoulder sometimes and carries us when we can't walk. The one who lovingly guides us away from the cliffs and and those places that would be dangerous for us. And, And here's this God who he just paints this amazing picture of it all just in a few verses of, of big and of intricate and then of personal, right? And that's what this powerful God is to you and to me. And so when you and I gather, David's trying to say, hey, hey, come on, let's get excited about what God's done. Let's get passionate. Let's worship him. Let's respond to him, not because we should, not because God needs it, but because this is what we do to all that is great. And he is the great king above all gods. And so I want you to know today and I want you to act out on today the thought that worship is a response to God's greatness. That's what worship is. It's not just the time we sing. It's not just about musical instruments or great singers or cool lights or great stage designs or any of that stuff. It's a response to God's greatness, his bigness, his goodness, his love, his sacrifice, his kindness and his mercy in your life and in my life. 
And he's the great king above all little g-gods. And so the thing that should excite us the most, the thing we should respond to most on this earth is our great God. And so our times of worship here together shouldn't be cold or half-hearted or coerced. They should be excited. They should be passionate. They should be powerful. They should be times when the presence of God is moving in powerful ways like I talked about earlier in our lives. And so we're super blessed because we have an amazing environment to worship in. We have an amazing band. We have amazing production that does a great job getting us into an environment where it's easy to worship God. I've been in environments where it's not easy to worship God. I've been there. And, and you know, the, the, it's not done well and you're just thinking to yourself, okay, focus on Jesus, worship Jesus. I'd rather stab myself in the eye than listen to this lady sing anymore. But, but think about Jesus, worship Jesus, right? And so we don't have that problem here. We're super blessed to have people that are passionate and excited themselves about God and are excellent at what they do. And like David wrote himself, play skillfully for the Lord. And so these guys come in with excellence and passion and do an incredible, incredible job. And so you and I have a lot of those distractions out of the way. And, and, and the reason, just so you know, we keep it dark in here is because we want you to feel like it's just you and God. We want you to feel like it's just intimate and it's, and it's you know, not about the people standing around you or in front of you or behind you. We just want it to be a time where you can just be close with your Savior and you kind of just get lost and everything else just kind of pushes you to Jesus. And so that's our heart here. And here's what I want to just kind of let you know is that we're not asking anyone to make anything up. We're not asking anybody to act in a way that they don't feel comfortable acting, that they wouldn't normally act in. We, here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to respond to God's greatness it, like, like you normally do to other things. You know, all the other things. Like, I mean, if, if last Sunday you were rooting for the Seahawks, like every good Christian should have been, um, then when Jermaine Curse made that catch at the end of the game, down there by the end zone, which was just unbelievable. When he made that catch, right, some of us responded in different ways, right? There were some of us that jumped up and screamed and popcorn went flying, you know, and soda got spilt, right? That's some of us. You know what? You're our two-handed worshipers. Hands in the air like you just don't care. That's you, right? And then some of you guys, maybe you didn't do that, but you like, you know, fist up in the air, high five somebody. Well, then maybe you're like our one-handed worshiper. And that's okay. Like, like, you know, like you do what you do. Respond how you naturally respond, right? And some of you guys, if you're honest, you saw the amazing catch and you just went, that was a great catch. And you guys are probably, you probably got your hands in your pockets while we're singing and, and you're just, but you're singing and you're worshiping. That's okay. This is not like, hey, let's all have our hands up or let's all stand this way now and kneel here. No, no, no. Respond like God put in you to respond. God wants real worship. He doesn't want fake worship or coerced worship. And I don't think there's anything more um, powerful about someone who has their hands up in the air or not. I mean, you can have your hands all the way raised up and your heart can be super far from God, right? And so it's not about that. It's just to be you. If you're a hands in the air person, do that. If you're a quieter person and your heart is just to sing and to worship God, hey, it's all about just being real and worshiping in spirit and in truth. And so we want you guys to be passionate. Um, I would say this, and this is, I hope this doesn't in any way negate anything I've said so far. It, it, it's not meant to. But I do think also at the same time, we walk this, this fine tightrope almost of passionate and excited and yet not 
distracting and drawing attention to ourselves. And man, that's hard. And please don't let this shoot the rest of the sermon in the foot. But I think we've all been in those worship environments where like no one can focus on Jesus because we're all focused on that one really annoying person that's driving us crazy and all we can think about is them. And one of the things we love about our church and one of the great compliments we get to us it's a compliment anyway, is that people feel 100% comfortable inviting friends that don't know God. And our, our, our vision statement at our church is that we want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend and where Christians can grow deep in their faith. And so that's kind of this tightrope. Even within our worship, we want to be passionate, we want to be real, we want to be excited, but we don't want to distract to the point where people stop inviting their neighbors, right? I remember one time a uh, pastor and a few of us were at a service in another place and um, you know, we're in this worship environment and things were going well. And then all of a sudden this one lady just started absolutely freaking out. And pastor just leaned over to us. It was like a teachable moment. And he leaned over and he just said, are you guys thinking about God right now? Or are you thinking about that lady? And we're all like, that lady. Should we tie her up and take her out? Like, what do we do here, you know? And so it's that tightrope. It's that balance of, okay, here we are together. And worship together is about us, not just about me, Right? I mean, in your room, you do what you got to do. You, you, go ahead, man, put on, that, put on some music and blast it and do whatever you got to do. But when we're us, we're us, right? And so there's this, this fine line of worshiping God and please be passionate and please be you and please feel free. But also at the same time, be thinking, okay, he's supposed to be pointed out, not me. You know, he's the one that's supposed to have attention on him, not me right now. And so I think that's kind of the balance of what we're trying to do here as a church. When we were in Belize on a mission trip a bunch of years ago, we were in this building that was a quarter of the size of this building. There was a roof. There were no walls. It was Belize, so it was like 6 billion degrees, no air conditioning, of course. And here we are with all these local people who don't have cars, and we were there to build them homes. And so the homes we would build them were about maybe the size of the cafe, probably smaller. And the reason we're building them new homes is because a lot of them – animals would get in, rats would get in and bite them and their kids while they'd sleep. And, and so we're there building these people new homes and we're in this tiny little building. These people have nothing and, and literally had no car. Like we would take this huge yellow school bus and there'd just be people standing on the sides of this road that wasn't paved and they're standing there kind of in this tall grass. And on the way to the church, we would just be picking people up and people would be jumping on this bus. And these were the people that were gonna be at church today. And we arrived at this place and, and we're there and we're singing in that building, how great is our God? And I got just tears pouring down my face because here are these people who have nothing that I have. You know, here are these people in a room that doesn't even have walls and and it's hot and they are gonna have to get dropped back off on their way home. And I don't know what kind of house, if any, they're going back to that night. But they were worshiping with such excitement and passion. And God just seemed so great to them. And so I just wonder if sometimes here in our culture, the, the little G gods can distract us from the greatness of God and the things that maybe we've been disappointed about distract us from responding to the greatness of this amazing God that you and I have. And so today, if you walked in late, we did things different. We played one song and I came up and spoke early on so that now we can respond. Now we can respond to our great God. We can look to him and we can spend some, some time. No kids around, right? Kids are downstairs now. You don't have to worry about your kids running around or what they're going to do or say or picking them up or putting them down. We just respond. Have the band come back up 
lead us in some worship. And I would just ask you to be you. Be you. Worship however God's put on your heart to worship in a way that is appropriate for who God is. And here as we worship, we respond to God, we know he's gonna be moving in our lives in powerful ways. He's gonna be honored. We're gonna be encouraging one another in our relationships with God here today. And so our team's gonna come up and we're just gonna spend that time responding to our great God because that's what worship is. Worship is a response to God's greatness. Would you pray with me? So God, we are grateful that you are great and, and that you are worthy of our praise and our worship, that you are one that we want to extol and we want to honor and we want to praise and we want to thank for being such a great God. And God, I thank you for our teams. I thank you for our volunteers. I thank you for the people that tirelessly, week after week, spend their days here to lead us in worship. I thank you, God, for this congregation, the heart that we have for Jesus and the heart that we have to sing praise to God. I thank you, Lord, for the unity in this place and our desire to to be us, to be us together here looking at you for who you are, that every time we see you for who you are, worship is our response. And so, God, would you help us here today? If you're a follower of Jesus, would you just let God kind of analyze your heart for a second? Would you, would you just pray this prayer? God, is there any cold-heartedness in me? Is there any half-heartedness in my worship? Am I holding back because I'm disappointed in you in one way or another? Maybe just pray, God, what is an appropriate response for me to respond to your greatness? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to talk to you for about 60 seconds because the reason we get so excited about God is because Jesus took away our sin. We don't get excited about, I mean, who would get excited about a God who would say, hey, uh, yeah, I am here, but I kind of want you to fix yourself and do what I'm asking you to do on your own strength. No, that, that's not the God we serve. That's, that wouldn't be very exciting. I probably wouldn't really worship that God. This God that we worship here today is the one who came for us and died in our place. That's why we sing these songs of love. We're responding to God's greatness. We're responding to his love. We love him because he loved us first. And so if you want to put your trust in Jesus today, if you want God, this great, amazing God who created you, created all things, loves you, formed the intricacies of all that you are, he wants to be like a shepherd to you. He wants to be the one that carries you. He wants to be the one that protects and keeps you. And ultimately, he wants to be the one that cleanses you and I of our sin. And so if you want to put your trust in him today, you could just pray something like this, just quietly between you and him. Jesus, thank you that you are great. And thank you that you're not just great from afar, but that you came, that your greatness played itself out in incredible love and sacrifice for me. That like David said, you are my rock and my salvation, the one who will forgive me of all my sin. So I put my trust in you today and I thank you for this amazing sacrifice. In your name I pray, amen.